Uh, friends, we're going to have our uh, message reading now in English. So uh, again, feel, feel free to follow along in your outlines. It is from Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 26 through to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's, Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to, be, to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I don't know about you, um, but uh, I've never found it so hard not to sing. Um, the band and the singers, let's just give them a round of applause, weren't they? Fantastic. Um, and uh, also special uh, shout out to the tech crew. You've really outdone yourselves. The, uh, the, the stream looks good. I might even look half decent tonight, so that's great. Um, my name is Pete, by the way. Thanks for joining us. Uh, those of you who are here in person, as well as those of you who are live streaming from home and a couple of you in the overflow. Uh, last I checked, it was only Steve and Tin Ho, so good on you guys. Um, look, we're in a, we're a bit of a musical sort of uh, mood tonight, even though we can't sing, but I want to show you something I found on the web. It's 2020, the musical. Have a look. And now, 2020, the musical. I've got these plans like my third cousin's wedding, running a 5K, drinking less booze, Seeing a concert, shopping for bedding, family reunion on a Disney cruise. Then suddenly COVID. It's day 16, going on 17, here in my quarantine. Staying at home and fixing dad's iPhone. Where is my pal Jim Beam? It's day 17, going on 18, just kicking back alone. On top, I'm dressed, waist down, I'm a mess, I'm ready to work from home. Hello, my name is Matt from work. And I would like to join you on this strange new thing called Zoom. Hello, my name is Zach from work. And please don't mind that I am in my childhood bedroom. Hello, my name is Ron from work. And please enjoy my background that looks like I'm on the moon. Ah. Hello, my name is... Hey, 
Dude, oh, I think your audio's up. I think there's a problem. Hey, sound. Your audio's up. Oops, I was on mute. Hello. 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 Something has changed within me. Something's not the same. I'm sick of catching moths. On my Animal Crossing game I'm carving my own puzzles Out dancing my TikTok feed And next week I have big plans To make my own cheese I think that I'm losing my sanity It's clear that I'm losing my sanity, I gotta leave this house. One walk for recreation, gotta get out of my seat. One neighbor walking toward me, I better cross the street. One cough and suddenly people all stare at me. I swear it's just a tickle, it's allergies. Well, what do you think of that? It's pretty accurate, isn't it? Uh, the less funny side, of course, is uh, you might have seen the Time magazine cover. I'll just show you my slide. The Time magazine recent cover has uh, 2020 with a big cross through the middle, and it says, worst year ever. Do you see that? Well, the year is almost at the end, isn't it? This year has exposed, I think exposed lots of things, but it's exposed, among other things, how fragile our happiness is. Do you know what I mean? How fragile and easily breakable the things that we feel happy about, that we put our happiness in. So whether it's in health, uh, physical or mental health, that's become very fragile. Social happiness, our friends and our family have become distanced. Economic happiness, well, we've got jobs and income and the whole economy under threat. Or your happiness comes from leisure, your plans for entertainment, for sport, especially for travel, have all been disrupted. And then just when we thought it was almost over here in New South Wales, of course, well, the events of the last week and a half has just happened. And yet, we wanted to set tonight's theme, and actually when we set this theme, we, weren't, uh, we, we didn't know that it was going to be so relevant that really right until uh, yes, uh, Wednesday, we thought maybe we'd have to cancel our services. But we've, we set the theme this year as Christmas uncancelled in the midst of all these things that were cancelled. And even if the worst should have happened on Wednesday and the announcement was, no, we couldn't have any in-person services, like, like in the UK where they've gone into the strictest lockdown, the still, the still the truth is that Christmas cannot be cancelled. Right? You can't cancel Christmas. And you can't cancel the fact that Christmas is still good news in a bad news year. Now, why is that? 
Well, I want to share with you over the next few minutes just a few points. And it comes from that reading that Pastor Dom read to us from Luke chapter 1. Let me read uh, the first few verses again, and you can follow on the outlines or the digital uh, bulletins when you uh, came in and you might have uh, accessed that. It says there, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. All right, you got this? This is a good news announcement from the angel, but you'll notice there it's pretty bad news for Mary. All right, she's probably not much older than my oldest daughter who's 17. She might have been younger, a teenage girl betrothed in a honor-shame society about to be wed where, you know, sex before marriage was definitely frowned upon and there she is being told that she's going to get pregnant and she hasn't even been married yet. It was bad news for her. But really, behind all of this and how she comes to accept it is that the angel was announcing good news after all. Right? This thing called the virgin birth, which Christians have confessed since the um, earliest centuries in, in one of our earliest creeds called the Apostles' Creed, is I believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. This thing called the virgin birth is actually core to the good news of Christmas. Now, I don't know if you've thought much about that. I can't remember the last time I, I preached a sermon focusing on the virgin birth, even at Christmas. It's one of those things that's kind of a little bit odd. Okay, I get that Jesus was born miraculously, but why was it so important, right, that the gospel writers say in Matthew and Luke and the creeds say that he was born of a virgin? What does that have to do with anything? Well, I want to let you know that it's not because uh, God thinks that sex is bad, all right? It's not at all because of that. There's actually deeper reasons for the virgin birth. And the first, uh, less important reason is, of course, if you, if you know the Bible storyline, you'll know there's actually a pattern of miraculous births that happen at key points in the Bible. There's lots of miraculous births that happen at key points to women who either couldn't have children or were too old to have children or, or one reason or another. And one of the most famous is Sarah, who's married to Abraham, but then also Rebecca married to Isaac, and then Hannah, who becomes the mother of the prophet Samuel. They're just three of many examples. And of course, in Luke's biography of Jesus is also Elizabeth, right? Mary's cousin, who becomes the mother of John the Baptist. All of these are miraculous births. And Jesus, this virgin birth, becomes the exemplary one. But most of all, the virgin birth is important because it takes this kind of miracle to ensure that something would happen in, in Jesus that is unequal to any of the other miraculous births in history. And that is that Mary would give birth to someone utterly unique. In the virgin birth, in this kind of miracle, you've got the perfect divine and human person. That, that to be born of Mary would be someone who is fully 100% God and yet fully 100% human. And the good news actually rests on that. So I want to go through that, that, those two aspects, that Jesus needs to be both fully God and fully human for it to be good news. So firstly, good news comes from God. Um, the reading that Gloria read for us from John chapter 1 spells it out, doesn't it? It says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then the Word became flesh. And it's talking about Jesus. 
The good news is because Jesus' birth was God, the divine, making the most divine of divine interventions, okay? God really had to intervene in this world, which means that the solution to the bad news of the world has to come from outside of us. You got that? The only solution to the problems of the world has to not come from inside of us, from outside of us, and it has to be entirely from God, and it has to be entirely new. And the newness of this is actually an echo of um, Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter of the Bible. You actually get the echo, just really faint echoes, of Genesis 1, the creation account, in the angel's announcement to Mary. Uh, I'm going to read verse 35 again. It says, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now again, it's only a very faint echo, but I think it's there. In Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning, the earth, you see, was formless and empty, but the Spirit of God was there. The Spirit of God was hovering, covering, overshadowing this formlessness. And then God spoke, and He called creation into being. And there's, I think, a really faint parallel there, that God was now going to do in the human womb, an empty womb, what He did at creation. This birth would be a new creation. God would now enter into this creation. I mentioned at the beginning that COVID showed us how fragile our happiness is. Now, we need to know that COVID didn't create the fragility. It doesn't create the problems. COVID only exposed the problems, didn't it? COVID didn't make our happiness fragile. It just exposed how fragile they were, our happinesses. I mean, if a little virus can break all of the kinds of things we put our happiness on, whether it's health or social or economic or leisure, well, they weren't very strong to begin with, right? You see, the Bible tells us pretty clearly that the problem of this world is from us, from humanity, but it cannot be solved by us. You got that? It's as if we fall and imagine you've fallen into a pit so deep and you've got no tools to get yourself out. The only way you're going to be able to get out is if someone from outside of the pit comes and rescues you. That's the Bible's picture of humanity's problem. And the little word that it uses is sin. Sin is essentially when human beings, created beings, want to replace God with ourselves. Sin is us taking the place of God, if you like. And because we've wanted to take the place of God in our rebellion, in our we don't need you, we don't want you, stay out of our lives, we want to live our lives our own way, well, that makes us all cut off from the source of life and the source of security and the source of true happiness. See, sin and its consequence, death, makes all of our sources of happiness very, very fragile. The problem comes from us, but it can't be solved by us. And that's why good news must come from God. It must be a divine intervention from outside of our world, like from outside of that pit to come. So, But next, though, good news needs to be God coming to people as a person. You see, the virgin birth was a real birth, like of a real human baby from a real womb. Like Mary's waters really broke. Her pain of labor was real. The umbilical cord that tied Jesus to Mary really had to be cut. The baby came out with blood, and I've seen my kids get born. It's a lot of blood. There was a real placenta. 
The baby really cried and the baby really needed to be attached to Mary's breast. God really did become a man. You know, many myths from other cultures and, and other religions have gods maybe coming to earth, but not fully human, not like this. And see, myths and religions outside of Christianity usually has salvation, us being saved, as us almost being saved from being human. We need to become more than human. We need to become superhuman or, or become gods ourselves because there's something wrong with the material, something wrong with being human. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is actually not about God saving us from removing us from His creation intention for us to be human. And that's why as hard as the virgin birth is to believe, it actually, if you inhabit the world that these accounts, these biographical accounts came to, the world of the first century, it actually smells of reality, hard as it is to believe. Yes, it is a miracle, but it it's unlike any other made-up myth. I'll tell you why. It's not the kind of thing that people with a Greco-Roman worldview or a Jewish worldview would want to make up. They wouldn't want to believe it because the idea that God would become 100% human was scandalous, is still scandalous. Ask any Muslim, ask any Jew, and it is still a scandal. I mean, it's mind-blowing, but it is scandalous, isn't it? I don't know if you read that uh, quote right at the beginning of um, the uh, outline, uh, that, uh, the digital outlines. I'm just going to look it up and read it out for you. Um, J.I. Packer on the reflection part of the order of service. Um, and if you haven't got it in front of you, don't worry, I'll just read it out. It's only short. He wrote this. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the incarnation. Right? It's both mind-blowing and scandalous. But without it, it would not be good news. See, if salvation is to come to human beings and to save us as human beings, then a full human being was needed to accomplish it. In Jesus, God did what only could be done by God in a man, in a human. Yes, Jesus had to be fully God. Why did he have to be fully God? Well, so that Jesus wouldn't ultimately be part of the problem, but he could actually be the divine solution to the problem. But he also had to be 100% man, 100% human, to live and to die as our representative and our substitute. And that's the key. And we sung about it. The amazing words of, I think it was, um, uh, angels we have heard on high. Right? If sin, if the essence of sin is us taking the place of God, do you know the essence of salvation is God taking the place of us? You got that? The good news is not that God would abandon His creation. It's not that God would take us away from the world, making us somehow less than human. Salvation is being saved as human beings. And so Jesus comes and he is the first of perfect humanity. And those who are born again in Jesus get to become more human, not less human. Because the good news is that Humanity gets perfected in Jesus. 
which means that what we love and what we need at the core of our beings will be realized and perfected in relationship with Jesus. Those desires that I said are are, are exposed as fragile ultimately find their fulfillment in Jesus, and that's when they become not fragile. You see, what do you think is actually at the deepest level of our search for happiness, whether it's in health or social or economic or leisure? There are only surface ways that we try to make ourselves happy. What's deeper? What makes us truly happy? Have you got an answer to that? What makes us truly happy? In 2015, uh, there was a, a, a report online of a death, deathbed speech uh, or an essay that Steve Jobs, who died in 2011, uh, supposedly wrote as his last kind of his last will and testament, I suppose. And, and, and in that speech were these words. Let me read some of it out. It says that I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is an epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life that I am accustomed to. At this moment, lying on the sick bed and recalling my whole life, I realize that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. Now I know when we have accumulated sufficient wealth to last our lifetime, we should pursue other matters that are unrelated to wealth. God gave us the senses to let us feel the love in everyone's heart, not the illusions brought about by wealth. The wealth I've won in my life, I cannot bring with me. What I can bring is is only the memories precipitated by love. That's the true riches which will follow you, accompany you, give you strength and light to go on. Now that was uh, shown to be a hoax. (laughs) Someone else had written it, not Steve Jobs. But I remember when I first read it, and it was a while before we found out it was a hoax, and it was, you know, became a bit viral. I think even after we found out it wasn't true, we wanted it to be true. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you knew anything about Steve Jobs' life, not, a, not just his wealth, but how, quite frankly, he was pretty much a big jerk for most of his life. If you've read his biography, it was really mean. You, you wanted it to be true. You wanted it to be true because it rang true, Right? It is the kind of thing that you want people who've been living for wealth and success and selfishness to realize. That actually deep in our souls, we hope that he might have discovered what truly makes us happy. And that's love. True happiness that isn't fragile can only come when you are fully loved. And not just loved by the people around you because like you, they too will die. And like you, their lives are fragile and their happiness. Now, God created us with a whole that is Him-shaped, His love-shaped. If you want a non-fragile happiness, it can only come when we are truly loved by Him. And that's the only love that can be truly secure because it's the only love that is unconditional. And it's the only love that will take you to eternity so you can enjoy it forever. See, that's what we were created for. That's what all of the things that COVID has exposed as fragile was pointing us to all along that we've all needed, we've all longed for this love from God, the security of being loved by Him in relationship with Him. And you know that He loves you. How? 
because he came as a man, born as a baby, went in your place on the cross as your representative and your substitute to take your sin, your rebellion, my sin, my rebellion in our place. He was born, he lived, and then he bled and he died. The hands that flung stars into space cruelly surrenders itself to nails on the cross out of love. See, when you come to Jesus, you become all that God created you to be. You become truly, wonderfully, and really satisfied because you are loved like that. And so I wonder, friends, today if you've understood that love, if you'd like to do something about that love, that thing that not even COVID or anything else, anyone else can take away. If you do, please stick around. Ask us questions. Right? Come and visit us at church. Visit us online. We would love to know how we can help you in this journey. But I want to end with this. How do we celebrate Christmas in a year like this? How can we rejoice in a year like this? Well, there's a man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer who died in a Nazi prison camp just before Nazi Germany fell. And he was in prison for his part in taking part in in uh, Hitler's attempted assassination. He was a pastor and a theologian. And he says something really profound, really, and I want to end with this quote. Because if Bonhoeffer's right, and I think he is, it's actually times like this, and it's not just COVID, okay? By the way, if you've had a rough life, if you've had a rough year, not even directly or indirectly related to COVID, if it's just hard for you, I want to suggest to you that Christmas means even more. Christmas actually shines even brighter in these situations. Look what Bonhoeffer wrote in prison. He said, I dare say Christmas will have more meaning and will be observed with greater sincerity in this prison than in places where all that survives of the feast is its name. That misery and suffering and poverty and loneliness and helplessness look very different to the eyes of God from what they do to man. That God could come down to the very place which men usually abhor. That Christ was born in a stable because there was no room for Him in the inn. These are things which a prisoner can understand better than anyone else. For him, the Christmas story is glad tidings in a very real sense. You see, we haven't even had everything stripped away this Christmas, have we? Some holidays have been jettisoned, some visits from family and friends, some seriously hard distances. I mean, I'm not saying it's not hard, but, we, we, you know, our family still have, had a nice little dinner tonight. We're going to have a couple of small meals tomorrow, day after. Like, we exchange presents. There's still a lot of things around that. But even if you stripped all of that away, and there was just you and the good news of the true Christmas, the real Christmas, the original Christmas. You see what Bonhoeffer is saying? It's in that place that you come to taste and appreciate why that really is good news, even when all around you is bad news. And it all is because God in Jesus, fully God, fully man, born of a virgin, came to us that first Christmas. 
I'll get the band to uh, get ready to lead us in our final song that we can't sing out loud unless you're at home, in which case sing your hearts out. Let me pray and let's commit our time and our year and our day ahead to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Christmas and its good news depends not on us and our circumstances, certainly not on COVID and what it's brought, hard as it has been. Good news is because you, Father, sent your only Son, Jesus, into the world, fully God, fully man, to save us, to die for us, to rise for us, to love us forever. And so with that in mind, give us the joy that supernaturally comes only from you. Amen. Merry Christmas.